Kia ora, welcome to the Catch Podcast where we discuss issues that affect missional communities and church plants. I'm Scotty Reeve, I'm the head of the Catch Network um, and I spend my life helping missional communities and churches to renew themselves. Kia ora, I'm Jazz, I live in community here in Wellington and I'm also a law student. Uh, Scotty, why are we here? Yeah, why are we here? Well, we are really lucky here in Wellington and Te Whanganui Atara to be surrounded by people with an enormous amount of wisdom and experience creating communities like the ones we're talking about. And uh, late last year, I started thinking about all the concepts we take for granted here. And every time I thought of one, I wrote it down on a notepad. And by the end of the year, I had 70 concepts written down. And so our desire really is to grab some of the great things we take for granted that we talk about all the time and to share those with a wider audience. And I've invited you, Jazz, to join me. Why are you here? Well, Scotty, you're a 37-year-old man and I'm a 20-year-old woman. So I guess I'm here to offer the perspective of my generation, but also to ask some questions that maybe our listeners would be wondering. Yeah, exactly. So the reality is that uh, sometimes I get talking and you'll hear I go for a while and sometimes I miss things or I say things which um, you may not agree with. And so Jazz is going to be the voice of reason here in the room for my rants. Is that right? Hopefully. We'll we'll see. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. All right, let's get into it. So Jazz, we've been having this conversation about renewal, and Mm. last week we introduced this idea by this guy Fogel, this economic historian, who talked about the idea that renewals begin in periods of cultural distortion, when we lose our faith in the legitimacy of our norms, the viability of our institutions, and the authority of our leaders in church and state. And we kind of reflected on how we are so much in one of those moments. But what I'd like to do today is to go through kind of a crash course on three renewals that Mm. rose out of this kind of space. Sound all right? Sounds good. Okay, awesome. So um, I want to start. In 1904, there was the Welsh renewal. Um, Mm. The Welsh renewal broke out. Um, To give you an idea, there was huge social upheaval going on in Wales at the time. So the whole population had mostly worked on farms or agricultural kind of settings. And all of a sudden, there was this massive shift where 25% of the working population went into the mines. And it brought with this this massive social change. Um, It put an enormous amount of pressure on people, a sense of loss of identity. And with it rose this huge tide of um, violence and drunkenness and kind of society pulling apart at the seams. Alongside that kind of loss of identity was also the erosion of the Welsh language, which Mm. had been spoken by a lot of people, uh, had in a generation dropped down from kind of two-thirds spoken to two-fifths spoken. Mm. So they're kind of really wrestling. And in 1904, there was this evangelist, a 26-year-old named Evan Roberts, who begins traveling around and he starts saying that he thinks God's spirit is doing something in the land. But the key moment, people say, came at this one meeting where uh, in kind of the the ecstasy of worship, this young woman, Flory Evans, just yelled out, I love Jesus with all of my heart. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of accounts where people say, for some reason, this was kind of a moment. They hadn't really heard someone talk about faith like that in a while. And so following this, over 1904 and 1905, 90,000 people came to faith in Wales in these two years. Here's a couple of anecdotes uh, from some of the people around at the time. They said, down in the bowels of the earth, miners not only discussed the services, 
but actually boisterously sang the grand old hymns taught to them in childhood. Those almost forgotten through sin, everything sprang into new life. So all of a sudden the minds were becoming these kind of cathedrals of worship. And then there's this other one which I really love, um, just because it's silly. It says, Welsh miners bred ponies to haul carts of coal. In the dark mines and these awful working conditions, these pit ponies were motivated through beatings and commanded by profanity-laced language. The miners were now attending revival meetings, being converted, and their lives were changed. Upon returning to work, the miners, these changed men, tried to command their ponies without swearing or beatings, and confused ponies stood there looking at their masters, not knowing what to do. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, so good. I love to say, so even the ponies kind of get revival when it comes. Mm. Um, but it had this, I mean, there's, you know, there's the, the Holy Spirit move, there's the, that really exciting aspect to it. But if the Holy Spirit's really moving, then there should be transformation. And there really was. So this, you know, 1904 to 1906 was kind of the peak of the renewal movement. But by 1907, drunkenness offences in Wales were down 37%. And this was despite that in 1881, there'd been a piece of legislation by the government to try and curb drunkenness, which had been totally unsuccessful. Mm. So kind of where that had failed, the Spirit of God turned up and things began to change. And then also by 1907, there'd been a 51% drop in violent crime. So society was actually like really transformed by this move of God. Mm. And, and as with many moves of God, it began to spread. So in 1906, there was um, what we call the Azusa Street Renewal. So it's similarly, you had these difficult political, cultural, social moments where this was just under half a century since the Civil War had happened. So over 600,000 Americans had died in that war, mm. about 2% of the U.S. population at the end of it, 1863 to 1865, a lot of the first slaves were freed, but that brought with it a huge societal overhaul, and the Union was really beginning to fall apart. And so in 1906, there's a, a young man named William Seymour who is dirt poor, like the poorest of the poor. He's the son of emancipated slaves. Um, he got smallpox at a young age and lost one of his eyes, so he's just the least likely candidate in every way, but he has the sense that God is up to something, and he gathers together a few of his friends, and they say, we are going to pray Acts 2, 1 to 4, so the story of Pentecost, mm. and we're going to pray it until it happens. And luckily, kind of within a few days, something happened, mm. and for years, uh, through till 1915, so about nine years, Thousands of people came to the Azusa Street Renewal. The crazy thing about this renewal was it had this big emphasis on gifts of the Spirit. So there was a lot of speaking in tongues. There was a lot of prophecy. There was a lot of kind of that kind of wacky stuff. But it was also incredibly countercultural at the time. So 1906, the, the height of Jim Crow era segregation, you have one of the only integrated churches in the entire of the United States. So mm. black white, Hispanic, Latino, all worshipping together. Also, more than 20 years until women would get the vote, but but regularly women were speaking in this church. Wow. So they were Holy Spirit crazy, but they were also like socially crazy at the same time. There was societal transformation. So there's this revival rolling through from Wales to the US at Azusa. And I started to wonder to myself, did this ever hit our shores around this time? 
So I got in touch with a friend of mine who's a little bit of an expert on these things and said, I've got this hunch, do you think it's right? And he said, yeah, I think that might be the thing. And so in 1918, what broke out on the Wanganui here in Aotearoa was the Rautana renewal. So to give you a little bit of context for that, 1918, um, the New Zealand Maori population was 50,000 people. Two and a half thousand of them died of the flu epidemic in 1918. Mm. And then about 350 had died serving in World War I. So 5% of the Maori population in New Zealand had died in four years. On top of that, in New Zealand as a whole, the flu had taken 9,000, the war had taken 18,000 people. So it's a really, really dark moment in New Zealand society. Similarly to the States with the Civil War, the New Zealand land wars had actually ended less than half a century before this. Mm. And the memory of Parihaka is still alive. People were there when it happened. And so we're this deeply racist and divided country. And there was a lady, Mary Rikiriki, who was a uh, a rongoa, like Māori healer um, Mm. and a faith healer. And in 1912, she starts to give this prophecy that there's a prophet coming. And she had actually been at Parihaka with Te Whiti and Tohu. So in 1918, uh, this prophet arrives, Wiramu Tahupotiki Ratana, and he has a vision. Soon after he has this vision, his son becomes ill to the point of almost dying. And Ratana has the sense that he needs to pray and fast for a week. And he prays and fasts for a week, at which time his son is healed. And then Māori begin arriving at Ratana Pa by the thousands. So they reckon between 20 and 100 Māori coming off the train every day to come here to hear the gospel, to receive healing. One of the rumours of Ratana Pa is that there's kind of a, a tapu room there that not everyone can see, which is stacked full of the wheelchairs, the crutches, and the walking frames of the people who came there and were healed. This became the largest pan-tribal gathering of Māori for decades before it and for decades afterwards. So the reason I tell you these three stories, from Wales to Azusa Street to Ratana, is because renewals have this way of spreading and they all seem to arrive from the soil that Fogel talks about of times of enormous social struggle and upheaval where God's spirit turns up and so we um, look at this moment we're in at the moment and we're beginning I think to see the signs of these kinds of renewals where um, you might have been familiar with Asbury that happened a little while ago in Kentucky we're starting Mm, to see people hunger for God in a new way in a moment of profound social upheaval And I just wonder if there might be something in this little history lesson about the moment we might be in now. Yeah, absolutely. They're such powerful stories. I think what really stands out to me about each of them is kind of how you talked about that they were periods of not just the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but actually really radical social change Mm. and kind of the realizing of God's kingdom Mm. on earth. Mm. And I think something interesting is that it's not that it's not that God doesn't move for 50 mm. years and then all of a sudden shows up. Eh? And I think that's yep. some of the complexity when we talk about like renewal or revival is, well, God, why don't you do that stuff all the time? I think what I've reconciled and what Fogel kind of speaks to is that it's our hunger that rises up, you know, mm. that we yep. often live in a place of apathy or luxury or comfort. We're actually like our need for God is not that great. But I think there are times where our hunger rises and God says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And mm. we experience a particular time of growth or life in our communities well next week we're going to have a look at what are some of the things we can do in the moment to be faithful to what god is doing 
This has been the Catch Podcast. You can find out more at www.catchnetwork.org.nz. See you next week.